0: Welcome to the Cinephile History Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan.
1: Uh, and I am Wolfgar? Johnson?
0: Yeah. You spell it with an O instead of a U, though. You know, you're
1: no, I use, an, I use an umlaut over the A to make me look metal.
0: First it's Star Trek trivia, now it's grammar and shit. My goodness. Will Johnson. And I listen
1: to a lot of of... uh, Scandinavian metal, so, you
0: know. That'll do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Scandinavian metal and all, we are damn glad to have you. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) this is all for Tantrum's sake. We're shared passions and high fives. Watch away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy of it is on. This week, we welcome back our previous guest, Lauren Knight, to continue the Stallone love with a challenge that she threw down to Will and I to watch 1981's Nighthawks. Welcome back to the show, Lauren Knight.
2: Hi, thanks for having me again.
1: Uh, Nighthawks is directed by a man that when you try to say his name, I think it's purposefully... Like, Bruce Malmuth. Like, I think the mm-hmm. name itself is, like, something that is difficult to, like, pronounce on purpose. Like, he made that name up like, to make me try to pronounce it on a podcast
0: correctly. More like
2: Bruce Mouthful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ooh. Well, you know. <laughs> it's 1981 wow. in CD, New York. It would fit in. It tracks. <laughs>
1: Brute! Wow! Wow! For as okay. much as
0: Stallone is in drag in this movie, he may have his mouth full of a few things. You never know. <laughs>
1: no, that's it. That's it.
0: This director, this must be a pseudonym. Like someone was
1: like, "Hey, Sylvester Stallone really directed this. We all know he did."
2: Yeah. Uh, let's uh, give, see, him, a, let's give him a name, and then they so.
1: said, and, oh. "And then they said, hey, hey uh, Sylvester, right? is that what they call him?' Or Sly? Hey, Sly, uh, what's the what's your pseudonym? You're going to use." And then they're like,
0: what? And I was like, did you push that game? Some poor publicist with a post-it note's like, shit, what do you say?
1: Yeah, they're like, Bruce Malmuth. And I was like, what? Oh, Malmuth. Okay, got it. Got 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 it.
0: Say it, wrong. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Malmuth. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so we got uh,
0: that. and Bruce. I shouldn't,
2: I shouldn't be laughing. I shouldn't be no, laughing I know. at that. And Bru- Bruce, but
0: if you're listening, please tell us in the comments how to phonetically pronounce your name. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, that. Bruce is, doesn't exist. We know this. I mean, I looked at his no, filmography. Bruce
2: does exist. He just didn't Listen? really direct. Oh
0: no, movie. never mind. <laughs> dead, he directed in 2005. Hard. Check.
1: Yeah. So he can't come back. He's dead. So we'll no. uh, <laughs> make fun of him He's all we 15. want. Um, yeah. Hard. To, he did hard to kill um excellent choice in 1990 uh whatever uh he did pentathlon I- with d- does this director exist purely for lauren's enjoyment because it's <laughs> nighthawks with stallone yeah pentathlon with dolph lundgren um mm-hmm. and the
2: man
0: Don't who was there with
1: with lauren's all-time favorite steve gutenberg
0: oh I mean, <laughs> what a guy! yeah here we go i do
2: love- You love the goot. Who doesn't love the goot? You know, that
1: dude, that dude, you know, he gets made fun of a lot, but like there was like a three or four year period where he was like the most dominating box guy ever. Yeah. It was well. Police
2: Police Academy four or something was the number one movie at the box office the week I was born. Oh wow. (laughs) That
0: that should tell us something about the world, right there. Well,
2: I mean, just
1: (laughs) just look at these hits. I mean, he had Police Academy. (laughs) short Hit? circuit diner yeah, three men and a baby cocoon uh-huh. like no he had some huge you.
0: hits but but that yeah. was the thing like he was affable he was still like i'm telling you he was paul rutt for a time there
1: i i wanted to be steve
2: gudberg oh, in police academy i did good I really comparison
0: well, well like I mean, just like, you know well, shaggy sort guy of quippy humor but why don't we just talk about steve good.
2: gutenberg instead of Netflix. right let's just have a whole <laughs> podcast dedicated to the goot to the, the goot. goat What's... the goot. he was in shark
1: <laughs> he was in sharknado three
0: and See, sharknado look 4. how far we've gotten uh-huh he, he
1: was, was in, in top... tower of terror a... with kirsten dunst
2: Oh, yeah, he did a lot that, of like Disney movies. Know. He was in Zeus and Roxanne, which was the movie about yeah. the dog that befriends a dolphin. Um, oh, that and it had tale, Kathleen huh? Quinlan in it. Yeah, tales that uh, all the time.
0: That, is,
1: that old chestnut.
0: He, he, had that big terror. Hit, um, he had that big hit TV movie uh, the day after that post-apocalyptic one that's such a big hit. You know, rabble Rouser. So, oh, yeah.
1: of um, Terror, directed by another Stallone pseudonym, DJ McHale. So someone was like, "Hey, uh, Stallone, you directed Tower of Terror. What's what's your suit name for this one? Nope. like, what?
0: don't what? forget Veronica Mars. You know, late late career comeback. Yeah, he, he was... also
2: was in um, what's the Goldbergs. Steve Gutenberg mm-hmm. also uh, right. had like a re- has a recurring role on the Goldbergs, or at least he did a couple seasons. That's perfect. Ago. Yeah, yeah, yep.
1: and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he was in Roe versus Wade. Uh, clearly
0: aborting people, right? Is that what we're going for? Like that's uh, how John, much of
1: a not okay. well, is, you now. You know? How no. did okay. Steve Gutenberg end up in this film <laughs> with John Voight, Robert Davi, Stacey Stacy Dash, Joey Lawrence? And Milo Yiannopoulos. And Roger See, that Stone. sounds like the
0: cast of Dancing with the Stars.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh and- no. Which he was on. Is he, like, some MAGA guy? Is the goot some, think like... he is.
0: He is.
1: Oh,
2: no, no, no. Fighting. We don't...
0: Let's
1: come on. We do not talk about politics and those idiots that voted for Trump on this show. We don't
2: talk oh, about... Oh, okay. Well, I just was you wondering, you given, given the cast, that's all. Okay.
0: He is. No, no, no. He... No, we, I'll we, tell you. We, wink, we, wink. We, he is. is.
2: Yeah. No, no. Oh. We don't... Uh,
0: I just uh, saw him sorry. in a Woody Allen film a year ago. That's what I saw him in. Rifkin's festival was something I saw.
1: You saw a Woody Allen film in the year I, of our Lord I, in 2020?
0: You know I don't. Yeah, I and don't, you
2: saw the Rifkin. I don't boycott one people. That, like
0: it's wow. not, it was not very good. Let me tell you. Yeah. 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 Well,
2: yeah.
1: Um, Gina Gershon. Go um, Oh, I love Gina. Mm-hmm. Christoph I, Wallace Waltz. Shawn
0: is where I, what I watched it for. So yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, but it's not right, very well, good.
1: So Nighthawks. Well,
0: um, after all, yeah, after all that, Lauren is here to go first in terms of being our recommended you know, recommending guest, and she's gonna give her five interrupted minutes to enjoy and tell us why Stallone looks damn good in feathered hair and drag. Um, I will follow probably second as the higher lover of the two. I don't know. Will where are you at on this one?
1: Um I gave Uh-oh. it two and a half stars. So I I guess That's, I mean, god damn it, I like. It. How did I get Samaritan more than this? I don't know. Whatever. See?
0: All right. All okay. right. Well, then I guess I'm going second to throw some praise, throw a little high case, and then we'll, we'll defecate all over the movie for five minutes of his own to tell us why two and a half stars yeah. makes it better or worse than Samaritan with his counterpoints of any manner of scorched earth or just, again, defecation. After that, we're going to open it up for 15 minutes to 30 minutes of shared conversation where we're just going to talk about hair and what the goose. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, the hissy fit gets chippy from there. Let's go. Lauren, five minutes are yours he- to start.
2: All right. Hello. Uh, so this one is probably going to be, I'm going to kind of be all over the place for my five minutes of time, but that's okay. Um, a little bit of backstory. Uh, this was actually, Nighthawks was actually supposed to be the French Connection 3, um, but uh, Hackman did not, the Hackman did not want to return. Uh, to play Popeye Doyle. So um, Universal acquired the rights to the storyline, and then it was reworked uh, by the screenwriter uh, who had written the French Connection 3 screenplay, and then he reworked it into Nighthawks. Um, Man, Stallone has really bad luck with studio interference. Um, Nighthawks is another Stallone vehicle that uh, falters due to uh, heavy editing uh, over editing, uh, nervousness from, from the studio over violence. Um, But also part of it has to do with Stallone himself. Um, The, the, the open secret is that Stallone essentially directed this movie, even though there was a real, even though there was a director on it, um, this was his first actual feature. He had done another feature film, but it was one of those features that featured uh, vignettes, kind of like four rooms, like Tarantino did with four rooms, and it was like different directors. So he really uh, was, was green and did not have a lot of experience. Um, but this one was definitely over-edited, um, and, and you can tell that. It also was ahead of its time. Um, urban terrorism was not a thing, especially like on American soil. When you think about it, because I think the film was actually made in 78 and then released in 1980 or filmed in 79 and released in 81, which also explains the heavy 70s fashion uh, that that um, Stallone especially wears, which I think he looks great in, by the way, like all of it, all of it just worked for me. Um, But yeah, so sorry, I have my notes here and I'm I'm scrolling. Um, but yeah, so it was heavily edited for for violence. Uh the end, the 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 shootout at the disco was a longer cut, as was the uh finale fighting slash shootout scene um between Howard and Stallone. It was Howard's first American film, um, which is also very exciting. Uh, but audiences did not uh understand. The film, and not from an editing perspective, they found it unbelievable, like literally hard to believe that there would be terrorism, like domestic terrorism on U.S. soil. Um, so the film was actually uh, ahead of its time for that, but as a result, suffered from both audience critiques and critic critiques uh, for being kind of um, unrelatable, which is kind of funny now, given um, everything that the you know, U.S. has gone through. Um, but part of the, of the editing does, does fall in Stallone's, uh, corner. He, uh, there were two different cuts of this movie that were shown to test audiences. And one of them was more Rutger Hauer heavy, and it had more character development and backstory for Hauer's character. And then the other one was more Deke De Silva heavy. And while the audience liked the Rudger Hauer cut, um, Stallone and Hauer had kind of a contentious relationship. Stallone is actually responsible for Howard getting injured on the set, um, which which led to kind of a, a very tense relationship. But Stallone uh, wanted to be in the movie more, and he wanted Deke to be in the movie more and obviously thought his own character was more interesting. So the cut that we ended up getting, in addition to having vi- a lot of the violence removed, was the Stallone-heavy cut, which did not test as well with audiences. So, this whole movie is just honestly really fascinating uh from the stunt work that Stallone did. there were untested stunts that he was willing to do um he he did the some stunts that that tested his fear of heights because he wanted to kind of like not have a fear of heights anymore and and things like that, just like he did on on Cliffhanger in later years. He did a lot of things that that frightened him um but anyway. Uh, that's, I probably went for more than five minutes. Thank you for not dinging me. And thank you. I am done.
0: I wouldn't dare ding you. Wouldn't dare. You can go on for 12. <laughs> I wouldn't stop. No, I'm right there with you. I really admire this movie for, um, on premise alone, on um, that domestic terrorism thing, uh, really just when I put myself in that time capsule of, I mean, yeah, like you said, late seventies, early eighties, this would be an unfathomable thing, or if it, or if it was something that um a plot would dabble with or try it would be so over the top and surreal like oh no way like it would just be grandiose so yeah this will be um and it has the balls to you know just kind of go there with legitimate terrorism and with um obviously that uh london store bombing is is played pretty legitimately and pretty strongly in terms of having that character you know oh no he'll he'll blow up and he'll kill people and with no remorse and no problem and um and then to have that kind of that mentor character that kind of is trying to do the whole you know coaching these guys i think it's nigel davenport right that's what i'm thinking of here who tries to kind of coach these guys up in terms of you know bringing these cops and this team in like hey no this is serious this guy can do this you need to think like this and not like a cop and i admired the procedural pieces that kind of came with the escalation of this story of the possibility of what this would be like here uh, you know here on domestic shores but you're right Uh, in terms of where now that I I've read what you've read about the movie where different cuts and different spots where I, I would gladly watch a, a Wolfgar centered movie where obviously Stallone can be an equal and kind of still be there. You need that guy, but I'll take some backstory on him and more where that goes. Cause I mean, Rugger Hauer in terms of like a first appearance is just such an engaging, fascinating guy. And look at the career he's built since then, where he had it, you know, in terms of just as a, Uh, a tall imposing figure who could you know who can charm who could talk who who can kind of guy convey uh and exude you know just um just uh polished qualities the way he could but at the same time had that twinkle and spark behind his eye like i could be evil too and i i was super impressed with with howard's performance in this film and where where the where the script kind of allows it to go and i'm also with you where a more violent cut uh ahead of his time and all what i'm surprised kind of didn't get play in 1981 at the same time i realized that the 70s and 80s while having its CD qualities and having its you know uh barrier breaking um you know proclivities you know in terms of content and all that from the, the, the decade before i mean we got horse heads and beds and godfather i i I'm, i guess i shouldn't be surprised the movie didn't get to go as hard as it wanted to go but at the same time, enough was there where I'm, you know, I'm still amazed and impressed with what the the stakes they give the story to be. Uh, if there's another dynamic I w- wish the movie had a little more of in the same kind of way is um, if you're going to make this a pissing contest between Howard and Stallone, you know, Billy D. Williams gets a bit of the shaft and he gets the the, the whitest black name in the world to be Sergeant Matthew Fox. Um, but no, and I think he could have been and there's parts where he gets to be a nice character to kind of rain De Silva in here and there, or obviously be a better, you know, a better student of the game, so to speak, when it becomes to the, uh the ATAC squad stuff. And, and I, and, you know, plays a precarious role in terms of being the second man chasing and all that. But, no, the movie, the movie kept my attention, had me on edge because I, I admired the premise and to shoot this thing in New York with, with some genuine, you know, obviously way before special effects. I mean, they're out there on that Roosevelt Island tram, you know, they're, they're driving buses into the East river I mean, there are some, yeah, they went for it with some shit. They're in the subway. They're just out there. And you can imagine this movie kind of being shot almost guerrilla style where like it, there's a, I'm sure they closed streets and did what they did, but like if this movie was weaving in between general public who didn't know they were making a movie and Stallone's covered up in you know beard and hair where they wouldn't recognize it, they, they could get away with a movie like this. And um, I imagine this movie made today would be, they would have to make this unfortunately bigger and louder than it, than it has any business being. Cause to me, this is the sneakier version of, of domestic terrorism is just a guy with no speechifying agenda who just wants to do some shit and some evil stuff and does not care where how he does how he goes about it whereas today you know with with our little trend of making sympathetic villains at the top they would they would soften this too much and or blow it up and inflate it too much so i i admired a nice gritty shitty new york movie that this one placed to be and um but yeah howard's the star of the show for sure
1: Nice, nice. Um, When I watched this movie, um, I was thinking to the audio commentary of Armageddon, the Criterion Collection uh, audio commentary of Armageddon, by the way, um, in which uh, Michael Bay is trying to describe the plot and how he was trying to justify it, and Ben Affleck is laughing the whole time like, so you can't teach astronauts how to drill you gotta shoot a bunch of drill guys into space and teach them how to be astronauts. This is kind of the same thing for me because I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right, so uh, whatever their stupid names are, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Billy Williams, let's call them that. uh, They are really good at very elaborate purse-snatching stings. So Interpol decides... Hey, let's hire street cops to become adept at profiling and tracking down a master terrorist. Seems a little much for me, um, but in, at least in this cut, whatever cut this is, uh, the master terrorist Wolfgar is kind of fucking dumb. So, you know, just throw some ham and egger street cops at him. What the hell, right? So... You know the, the premise of the movie is incredibly ridiculous, and that's fine because it's the eighties and uh, or the seventies, whatever, and that's fine. I don't mind that. I actually had fun with that, and and actually the chase sequence in the middle of the film is fan freaking tastic. So there are things to take from this, but yes, it is it is a uh, conflicted mess of too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, because yeah, you've got, you can tell that stuff is missing because characters, I I say that Wolfgar is dumb because he will go from, you know, zero to 10 in a minute in terms of like his motivations and patience. Like, you know, one minute he'll be like, oh, I'm going to be the most, um, dedicated detail oriented, uh, you know, terrorist out there. And then the next minute he's taking over a. Uh, you know, a tram that's up in the air over a river that, you know, can have all the possible exits blocked. Just really stupid moves by this guy. Uh, So, I mean, it doesn't make for a compelling villain when you set him up as such a smart person and then he does really stupid things. But, I mean, you also have Sylvester Stallone, who I guess in this film really wants to do things his own way and sits in an interpol meeting for about 45 seconds before he's like, oh, I don't like any of this. this a bunch of bullshit. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh well, why don't we just give it like at least a day and and try to become a profiler if that's what they're trying to help you do. Um so yeah, not not the smartest movie I've ever seen, at least as it's currently constructed. Um but enjoyable and uh, some really cool stuff in there, like uh, a shout out to a Joe Spinell appearance, um, the legend who was in all the Godfathers and some of the Rockies and a Taxi Driver, and of course the greatest film that Don will probably probably never sit down to watch, Maniac from 1980, which is probably the greatest serial killer. Man who kidnaps women, scalps them, and puts them on mannequins—you know—romance movie you'll ever see. So, uh, good stuff, good good appearances. But as you can tell, I'm, I'm I'm really reaching for filling five minutes here because I can't really describe this as anything other than just good, dumb emphasis on the dumb fun. And I do like old New York stuff. I admire films that did stuff in New York, like Don was saying, without the visual effects, because um, that kind of New York doesn't exist anymore. So it's kind of like a nice little time capsule to, uh, you know, because New York is very Disney-fied now, and and it's very different. It's, it's more like New York is a brand than it is an actual city with character. And Nighthawks is one of those great films that... That were not great films, but is a is a film in which it shows that long-lost New York that I miss seeing where it had, like, some brutal character to it. So, uh shout-out there. Fun and dumb, but fun nonetheless. I finished 15 seconds early. You should be proud of it.
0: It's not the first time, you know. Hey, <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> see, see, if you guys... If you, if you guys couldn't figure that joke out, he's talking about how fast I go during sex.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for spelling that out, English teacher. Just in teacher. case you
1: didn't get a, that,
0: what's the name of the what's the I name of the double stu- dot above a U? What do you call that? I again? am.
1: It's an umlaut, which is also my favorite sexual yeah. position, which makes me finish under fifteen <laughs> seconds. See?
0: I knew it was going to go there. Um, while we. While we take care of this, please enjoy a short announcement for the Ruminations Radio Network. And Mitch, if you can make this about four to five minutes, we will come back satisfied. We'll be all right. Not 30 seconds.
1: What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com.
0: All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, Lauren, yeah, you brought this film to us. Uh, where does this kind of land for you in, in Stallone rankings? Is this mid-stallone? Is this low stallone? Where are you at with this?
2: Um I think it's I think for the stunts and for Howard alone, I would put this in more of a of a top tier. Not near the Ooh. top of the top tier, probably more like bottom top tier so it's almost near the middle tier (laughs) if that makes any sense nope Um, makes no sense
0: (laughs) it's the fourth tier of 12 (laughs) okay yeah
2: i would i would consider (laughs) this i am i am desperately trying like i am desperately like going through the 60 or so movies of his that i have seen and i have to say that this this to me would probably be in the top it like would be considered top tier
1: oh oh it's it's definitely top 60 for sure
2: um but (laughs) yeah i'm trying i mean i I I don't think i gave it anything more than it's fine but i just think from Mm -hmm. a time capsule piece and then again the performances um it was you know it's always great to see billy d it's Mm -hmm. it's well made because stallone is a good director
1: yes thank you i agree correct
2: so yeah i don't know i would i think this is he's he's done a lot worse y'all <laughs> yes he has
0: that's the thing i'm I'm trying to rolodex the worst and go oh yeah there's that okay oh yeah there's that Ooh. ooh right yeah, and that. i don't think it yeah. belongs this there is mid. and
2: yeah, yeah. And this is you, mid for me as well mid for you i well it's like it's top for me the but hair, towards the
0: god bottom. i mean oh no this is so confusing. and, and, and i'm with you on it's, the costume towards where, uh, the
1: top it's towards the top of my bottom of my sub tier of the third
2: no, yeah, of yeah, the seven yeah. I mean of the exactly seven circles of
1: hell. What the hell is going on?
2: I just mean like let's say there's ten like top echelon stallone films, hypothetically. Right?
1: It's this okay. one might
2: be like eight to eight, nine or ten range. Oh shit. And then the mid range would start yeah. at like eleven or twelve. And so I'm saying like it's, it's out of sixty, it's so twelve
0: to thirty five. It.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's more top tier for oh, wow. Me compared okay. to, say, like Rocky Five or yeah, yeah. Oh, Rocky Paradise five. Alley. Like, Paradise Alley mm. is not great. Um, Rocky
1: Five is much better than this.
2: You think it so?
1: I well, like Rocky I, de- I defend
2: words. Rocky Five and I, I like Rocky Five, but I'm just saying, as far as the, like, if you look at all the Rocky movies, if you look at all the Rambo mm-hmm. movies, like, listen, See, I feel 10 in a hurry a TV before I get to here. For Nighthawk. Really? So, yeah. this is mid for you? it's oh, mid
0: and i'm very happy, very happy it's mid like it's doing just fine okay yeah okay Yeah, uh, that's i'm with you shout out shout out to the costume designer you got uh, bob demora who did like risky business after this and like the bird cage down the road and stuff like that where like this is he just looks fun like even when he takes that shitty beret and tries to tuck it into the like the the shoulder of his coat you know just to kind of roll in and talk to lindsey wagner like yeah okay man you, you you've done this once or twice let's go you know and um yeah i and that's kind of one part of the movie where um the his love interest angle is kind of a bit of a fizzle for me where i know it's there it might as well be the ex-wife from Slapshot at that point where it's like she's there she knows his act but isn't coming back and and isn't you know and luckily isn't over-involved in the climax other than I'm going to come after your wife and then it's just alone with the Swiss. But, yeah, it, it's – she's I, – I, and it's Lindsay Wagner. It's a bionic woman. It would be great to see her do a little more in a movie. But it's I, – I, I again, not, was a, not a slight by any means. No,
2: I agree, I too. Like, you got a great talent there. And I think it has to do with the editing, though. Like, I, I think agree. I did read that there were more scenes with her, mm-hmm. but they – you know, it's almost like she shouldn't have been in there at all. Now, like yeah. if you're gonna cut her out as much as you did, then just cut mm-hmm. her out entirely because De Silva doesn't necessarily need her until the until right. the end, I guess. Obviously, but right. I don't know. There seemed to have <laughs> been need, a better. He needs way. her
0: stove, <laughs> right? Yeah,
2: I guess there's a better way they could have done it, but she was definitely underutilized. But I don't, I don't think it was in the script originally. Like I don't, I think she mm-hmm. had more of a role than she was ultimately. I got you ultimately given. I was fascinated
0: I to read I was fascinated to read what you mentioned where this was the French Connection three for a while. Yeah. They were like, you know like the, I'm reading here where like it was supposed to be Popeye Doyle teaming up with a wise cracking police officer and they wanted Richard Pryor. Where I'm like, oh God, Popeye Doyle and Richard Pryor. Like let's just Superman right? three this thing while we're at it. Oh man I know. <laughs> so I'm glad this got I'm glad this got reshaped, shuffled and, and cut up to turn into this. I'm happy it was so
2: Yeah. Um, it isn't. Pr- I mean, honestly, when you guys were asking me for a Stallone film, mm-hmm. I've talked about Cobra a lot. And I think we've even talked about it like on this podcast. So I was like, no, yeah. I almost went with daylight, to be honest. Ooh. But I, to I me, it there's daylight. not, to me, there's not as much daylight's more straightforward. And like, to me, there's yeah. not as much to talk about with daylight as there is with Nighthawks when you when right. it comes down to it. Yeah editing and all like the directing we're seeing
0: with that premise, right
2: shoes and stuff like that but i i did almost choose daylight because i think it's unfairly not included when people list i agree like disaster movies or like top disaster oh, movies definitely. i think it's not fair that it's yeah left out to be honest
0: while while we're sidebarring while will is sleeping and figuring things out um my one knock on daylight is he should have died stuck in the mud at the bottom of the river like have have that hero sacrifice moment be the big swirl of the movie because we're always like how many Sylvester Stallone movies does he cheat death and how many Schwarzenegger movies does he cheat death where give give him that that dying saving moment that would coalesce that whole movie together where when he comes bubbling up out of the mud at the very end like shit you had a perfect exit but then they of course give that ending to the surviving awesome amazing midnight star so yeah. yeah. That's my one um, knock on daylight. Uh, the rest I, of it, I'm right there with you. Um, great little bottom movie, great little disaster movie. I, interesting ways, interesting people. I dig it.
1: I wasn't sleeping yeah. with her. I was still trying to map out Florence's ears
0: on a <laughs> so, I'm sure there's a letterbox list somewhere here, you know?
1: I was busy, okay? I just, I
0: just, okay. I busy.
2: Well, when you figure it out, let me know because I don't even know if I know anymore. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I did. I did almost go with Daylight, but I think like Nighthawks is just really yeah interesting backstory
0: stuff. Totally, and
2: how he always like he always gets screwed by the studio over editing. I mean, we we just you know we did an episode on Samaritan together, and that was heavily edited from the Mm -hmm. cut. You know, I first saw to the final cut that we got. So I think Nighthawks, I will say, is one of the films that Stallone says that if he could go back and re-edit it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or was given, or was given the money and the chance. You know, like he he reedited Rocky Four right during the right. pandemic. Um, that,
0: that turned out so um, good. He would too. reedit.
2: Yeah. This is one of the ty- the films that he would, uh, that he would reedit and actually would choose the uh original cut. So it might have mm-hmm. been more of the Redger hauer stuff. Anyway, there was an original cut of Nighthawks, and he says that it's more that it's superior. To the final version, which is the version he helped edit. So right. um, yeah. I think I I I think you also have Hindsight to 2020 think about stuff his, there. Hindsight's 2020, but I think you also have to think about his ego at this time. That's true. So I mean he's coming off of Rocky. He's about to direct Rocky two. He wrote Paradise mm-hmm. Alley, which came out in 78. I just he always had a chip on his shoulder and he'll say in interviews that he always like felt he had to prove something and he would hold grudges if people told him no, or he, he just wasn't necessarily like, I don't want to say the nicest guy, but his, his ego would get in the way and his arrogance would get in the way. and, And he would constantly, you had to be more of the fighter than someone who would be a negotiator sort of thing. Right. So he was, he he had this larger than life personality and and might arguably have been uh difficult to work with right mm-hmm. and so i think i think it is hindsight but i think it's also the benefits of of aging
0: yeah. and realizing I, what, I love that about him and what isn't yeah yeah like to hear him talk about things yeah. To hear him talk about things the last 10 years, like whether it's you know bringing back Rambo or it's bringing back Rocky, whether it's, I know not all of it has been the best things in the whole wide world, but like to hear him talk about it in the ways that he is reflective. You just don't see that a lot from stars that big and people who had everything in that ego back then To to hear him be so, I don't want to say remorseful, but just reflective um i remember rocky IV, uh the pandemic the, the new cut he did and i um got to read a lot of the press he did and the interviews he did to kind of present it, this and just the place he was coming from um and also you know just the hey i, I did this a little wrong Admit, you know, admitting mistakes are just you're tempering those excesses that that were there then that aren't there now i i just admire that, that he has the capacity to do that like how many how many people would do that or could do that nowadays and i just don't know many that would so good good on him man
2: yeah yeah, yeah no sure. i i, I, I like him a lot for sure obviously oh but you um... don't say
1: well yeah it's <laughs> uh, well, obviously you do i mean obviously you like this film too because it's upper upper
0: third tier lots, <laughs> upper, upper, uh, upper third, two, third tier yeah, <laughs> yeah. So well i mean just two-tier.
2: all the on set stuff like him mm-hmm. hurting Howard um, yeah. by a stunt, like a uh, Howard. Well, first of all, there was a, a squib, a uh, blood, a blood packet um, mm-hmm. that ended up burning Howard. But there was uh, a, a cable, you know, that that yanks him when he's shot um, at the end. I think, like, you know, it's one mm-hmm. of those mm-hmm. exaggerated. You get shot with a shotgun kind of thing, and you like fly twenty feet or whatever. Um uh he was pulled too hard, and that was under the direction of Stallone. Um, and he ended up really injuring his back. Um, and so that for the you know, was led to their contentious relationship on set. But Stallone had only great things to say about his performance though. Now granted that was in an interview. Um Mm -hmm. and after he cut all his scenes out? Yeah, I mean it was in an interview in the nineties, so you know I mean, who knows if he was trying to rewrite history or he had changed as a person, or who knows if he and you know Howard had buried the hatchet? who knows um but he said that uh Howard's performance held the movie together and said that he was an excellent villain um and I did find the part where Lindsay Wagner was supposed to have more scenes um so it just the studio got scared, they got scared for violence and 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 ratings, because Stallone movies in the past have also been cut down for violence and ratings, like Cobra. Yeah, we did not get the version of Cobra that, you know, mm. um, everyone else probably wanted. Um, mm. But yeah, and so we didn't get a version of of Nighthawks that we, you know, wanted either. And and I don't know. It's just kind of a fascinating, a fascinating story, mm. to me.
0: Has that Cobra cut seen the light of day? Has that made it on a disc? Or is it just...
2: Not that, I, all... not that I know of.
0: Right, right, right. Like, this is all, I don't want to say hypothetical, but just buried in a warehouse somewhere, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, or destroyed. Like, a lot of the the film wasn't, wasn't kept. Like, once it was cut, it was just, you know, mm-hmm. thrown out or whatever. Yeah. So, I don't know if we'll ever get um, a Cobra cut or a Nighthawks cut, honestly. I don't know.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, even Rocky Four felt like a miracle that they had what they had in terms of footage and stuff. So it's amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean I hope the Nighthawk show comes to fruition. It was announced pre-pandemic that there was going to be a TV show, but not starring Stallone. Like it was not going to be like a <laughs> like it wasn't going to be a <laughs> two make grizzled, him the terrorist trainer, really the old man, cops. Yeah, yeah, um,
1: in drag chasing down purse yeah. snatchers <laughs>
2: yeah and you know again the movie's not perfect and it has some some you know uh insensitivities right mm-hmm. and things that we never with would
0: that um would... was that show going to be period set or is it going to be today because if it's today you are got to compete with like 24 which has done terrorism to death and if you put it in period that'd be amazing
2: i don't no, like it just was supposed to be a reboot series, so I don't. Okay. I mean, I don't know. There is obviously a lot of terrorism these days, so I mean, it's not that yeah. it's unreasonable where you couldn't set it. Um, but it would be interesting to see it set before. You know, America goes mm-hmm. through everything that it has gone through. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> it, it would
1: be. It would be an interesting, um, like, social commentary thing to. Totally. Kind of address what we were what we were talking about about how people weren't ready for this type of film yet like that could be that could be the crux of like the investigation if it was a period piece like we've never seen anything like this and you know like even even maybe putting in stuff like the steps that we would take that would lead to some of maybe the mistakes or accomplishments I guess depending on what it is. Like just showing like how we would have reacted, and um, I guess I guess what I'm saying is you could find a way to be clever about it to show like how this put like something in the memory banks for like when stuff started really happening on our soil, how we reacted mm-hmm. and how we probably could have prevented. Yeah, you because know, we I think about that all the time. Like,
0: oh yeah, we
1: still take our damn shoes off at the. That's mm-hmm. the airport. And, you know, like in a way, you know, like that attack is still the, the 9-11 attack is still like relevant because it still affects everything we do in certain levels of society to this day. And we're talking, what, yeah. 22 years later or whatever? Not the math 21. guy, but mm-hmm. 21 years later. So. Attacking that from a period piece would be really interesting because then you could be like, "Oh, this is how maybe we would have reacted. Maybe this is how we should have reacted. Maybe yeah. this is what kind of gave us a little bit of that uh, twitchiness for when it did start happening again." I don't know. It could it could yeah. be really clever. You could really I could see a
0: show really like mid nineties, like we had that World Trade Center bombing in ninety three. Before mm-hmm. obviously twenty two thousand, you know, two thousand and one, where. Mm-hmm that could be a fun period like i know we had like the siege it's fun
1: from, me too you know, what a fun Brazilian. period oh, <laughs> you know,
0: yeah but I uh, know, I but know, you know like yeah 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 but like i know we had movies dabble with that like at, like the siege did in you know in mm. 1998 but like to see well, a series was... do that at more of the street level would be cool you know
1: the the siege the interesting thing about the siege is that was written that movie was written by Lawrence Wright who would go on to write The Looming Tower, which detailed mm. all of the events that led up to the 9-11 attack and how we yeah. responded. Um, I, was, so- I was
2: thinking about that show when you guys were talking. I was like, oh, that Jeff Daniels show did a really good job. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that,
1: that was an yeah. amazing, oh, it- amazing book. Yeah. I read that book. I, I haven't seen the show, but I've read the book, and it's, and it's incredible. I won the Pulitzer Prize, I believe. And, yeah, the guy who wrote that book wrote that movie, The Siege, so he kind of had, like, this inside you know, uh, you know, but that was another one too. The siege is another movie where I remember seeing previews for it. And it was kind of like, Oh man, could you only imagine? Like it, mm. it seemed fantastical then. So, yeah. so Nighthawks, you know, and siege and there's a lot of movies that I think deal with that on many different levels, not just war stuff or terrorism stuff, but you know, with like, uh I mean, we're talking about like trans issues with like Glenn or Glenda back in the fifties or, there's so right. many. There's so many films that have that like insight to something that would become commonplace, but seemed like almost like pure fantasy back then. So I, I definitely think Nighthawks would be, you know, because Don talks about it all the time, like let's let's remake something that wasn't a success, right, and make mm-hmm. it better. So Nighthawks would be like a perfect property sure to because no one's gonna sit there and be like, except maybe Lauren, depending on where the tiers are. But, you know, it's going to be like, you didn't stick to the original source material of Nighthawks. Like People are going to be like, I think it's a property that's not beloved. So they can actually mess with it and make it better and make it smarter and really make a commentary on. I don't think you could make a Nighthawks in present day. We've already had.
0: I don't. Th- yeah. we already had. 24 already is had... what I think of, you know.
1: Well, 24. What was the other one with Claire Danes? That. Oh, oh really Homeland.
0: Yeah, Home Yeah. That, that went hard.
1: Yeah, that one went hard until it got really dumb. But, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, it was it good it so for, sure. for a while. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, that's going to be hard to compete with. So, I think we could use a little... I, I, I would actually totally watch that uh, if we got a mm-hmm. Nighthawks reboot. But it, it would have to be period, like, like Don said. Yeah,
2: yeah and I, I just it, I don't know if I trust if i trust the right i mean i i know stallone is supposed to have involvement if it's even happening but i mean mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like so many things these days like oh it's a reboot so it's got to be we got to set it in modern times modern times uh-huh. and i just i don't know
0: It'll i mean just i think you snowball into it way. in
2: modern times because there is a lot of domestic terrorism but if sure. you're trying to have a lot of conflict between like That's ridiculous. That'll never happen. You guys are, you know, you guys are silly. Go back to your desks or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it it wouldn't be believable now because of all of the terrorism that exists.
1: Well, you could play with that because there is an entire there's like half of this country doesn't believe in domestic terrorism. Like, it's true. Like, And so you could play with that. It would have to be something more homegrown, like nighthawks obviously you're dealing with like this international like ring of like terrorists and like he's like this i don't want to say like he's almost like a bond villain in the sense of like he is like renowned like he's the guy you get to do terrorist shit right like you would have to play like on that um you know uh what do you call it home homeland front really you'd have to play with like Mm -hmm. Oath Keepers or some shit or something where it's like more internal to the country and how the reactions would be, because like, like you said, like we refuse to call some of these events that happen terrorism because people in this country, like half the country doesn't want to admit that white supremacist dickweeds commit Mm -hmm. terrorism. Like, so they want to label it something else. So you could really play with that because you could, because yeah, some people because some people really call it domestic terrorism and some people just call it you know lone wolf or you know mm-hmm. a mental, mental health, health crisis yeah. yeah so yeah so like you could really play with that i mean that's the angle i think you, if you did it modern day you could totally go that angle and the conflict wouldn't be necessarily in the oh my god this would never happen it would be more in like the cops and interpol or whatever like right butting up against like the politicians that are just like well we we can't say it's a we, it's not domestic terrorism this is just a one-off lone wolf thing you know like i could yeah. see that it being would take the some central balls, conflict.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: well especially if it because i read i was just reading real quick that it said that like when stallone was putting it together for balboa productions it was going to be like on peacock i cannot imagine a, a huge a network. network like that taking taking a risk like that
0: yeah on that cut technology. away 50% of your audience I know and that's the thing it would yeah just I like, think it would PR it well would have to be now.
1: it would have to be something like Showtime or HBO
0: or right because like Homeland like yeah
2: but period Stuff pieces like, also cost more so this like is true nowadays because you you have to obviously get the costumes and the weaponry and the vehicles and you need to change storefronts and things like that so mm-hmm. I just yeah I don't well, know why, I, if, if why, it happens. I don't have a lot of faith. It would be in the 70s or or whenever, but I I think I'd like to see that though because we already have Homeland and 24 and right. Law and Order, organized crime, and you know, like we have all mm-hmm. of these other
0: something that's other here already. I know. Oh, speak, speaking, NCIS, speaking of which, yeah.
1: speaking of which Don lives in Chicago, and I do uh, he gets like those notices like Hey, we're filming on your neighborhood." Oh I yeah, just all that's the time. I, I know we started the episode with Gutenberg, and we're I'm, I'm going away from Nighthawks here, but I was recently. I don't really watch a lot of TV, and I saw a commercial the other day though when I was at somebody's house watching football. Where like, there's like 27 like Chicago shows, and they're all like combining into like an Avengers Endgame.
0: Oh yeah. Like there are a whole week. universe
1: That's here, man. It's like,
2: yes. Yeah.
1: Like yeah. I was just like, it was like this week only, Chicago Fire, uh-huh. Chicago PD, Chicago lawyers, Chicago Cafe yeah. owners, Chicago right. Lake. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Oh hey, hey, I
0: it, was like, it's, Wow. It it's an epic it's a nice economic boom for the area because yeah, they're filming one of them here all the time you know like there's a uh, two weeks verse. ago
2: it's the dick Wolfers.
0: yeah verse. it's the oh dick Wolfers because they all connect to you're right they all connect to the law and order stuff in new york and like they had what was it uh ncis connected to him and then like hawaii 50 connected to that like oh it's a thing you know it's it's a ton
1: remember before like before well, i i would say kevin smith uh, counts because he had the Viewers universe which i think is the first successful true multiverse like kind of like marvel all right but I remember remember when everything was connected by one guy, it was Munch. Remember, remember
2: Munch? Oh um, yeah, because Homicide Life on the Streets, right?
1: Right, right. Oh,
0: Munch. Okay.
1: So you had because you had uh, John Munch, who was played by Richard Belzer. Like he first he yeah. was like in Homicide Life on the Street, then his character showed up on like Special Victims Unit. But then right. he would make all these appearances and everything, and it would connect all the universes. Like he was on the X Files. He was on like shows that got canceled after two episodes. He was in The Wire. Like that character, mm-hmm. like connected everything. It was like the John Munch verse. I don't know <laughs> if you remember that. If you remember that, but you know, and that's what I think of now. It's like everybody wants to make a universe now, and it was like it. It was so quaint back then yeah. when it was just oh, like, and, hey, yeah. let's.
0: Put, and now it's put, it's it's crazy.
1: Let's put Richard Belzer in everything we can possibly think of, but uh, I'm trying to look that up at the moment well do I'm for that I do by the way the...
2: putting Richard Belzer uh-huh. in everything I'm pro that <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: true I'm looking for I loved him on
2: all the law and orders whenever he showed mm-hmm. like I always lo- I loved Munch so much okay
1: here, here's here is a list I'm sorry we're doing this with Nighthawks I apologize but here, yeah, are, you're are, all are, right. the, here are the complete appearances of Munch so Uh, Homicide Life on the Street, Special Victims Unit, Homicide the Movie, Law and Order, Arrested Development, The X-Files, The Beat, Law and (laughs) Order Trial by Jury, The The Wire, American Dad, (laughs) 30 Rock, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Muppets, The World's Most Dangerous Party, he's in a comic book of Spider-Man Deadpool number six, uh, and he was in the UK crime drama Luther. He was in What? He was
2: in Luther? (laughs)
1: Yeah, he
0: wow, was, uh,
1: and, and his character has spanned every major network NBC, Fox, UPN, HBO, ABC. Amazing! So he's uh, I didn't know Munch. all that. Gosh. You know what? Let's just have Munch in the Nighthawks remake, but it's set in the period, so it's in the 70s. Mm-hmm. This is like Munch, it's like, but he's the John guy who Munch doesn't age, you know. <laughs>
0: Him and his wireframe glasses and lift frame. Like, just, yeah, don't de-age him. Just like, yeah, it's me, you know? Yeah, why not? <laughs> and someone yeah, look that, like, what? they'll do a show nine, yeah. in the 90s. Like, you haven't aged. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> Perpetually What's hilarious 54. to
2: me, too, is Munch was always the conspiracy theorist guy. He, oh. was, he always believed in, like, conspiracy theories and, and things like that. And so this whole universe seems like a weird <laughs> he Munch conspiring... Uh, I don't know. It just—it seems appropriate that Munch is the character yep. that gets all of these universes and all of these <laughs> threads, and now we're like Charlie Day and "It's Always Sunny" at like the <laughs> right. bulletin board with all the yarn yeah, and we're connecting yeah. all of the Munch <laughs> things, and we're like, <laughs> like it would make <laughs> so sense. So Stallone if he was on an episode of the X Files. <laughs> so you Stallone, if
0: you're listening, she- cast Richard <laughs> Belzer here. Come on, you're, you're sure. on something.
2: He could be the captain or something now. Like, you know what oh, I mean? Totally. He could be, like, be the, the Joe Spinelli part. Yeah. yeah, he could be like, yeah, that's exactly. Here. Here is
1: another weird nerd fact for you. Last episode, I dropped some Star Trek knowledge on you,
0: but I'm an X Files you, you didn't. Too. You didn't drop Star so, Trek knowledge. You took a dump truck and coded us in Star Trek knowledge. So, I'm so still washing is- it all off. The,
1: the episode that Munch was in of the X Files was called The Unusual Suspects. It's a. Lone Gunman only I was just
2: about to say, it was the freaking Lone Mm. Gunman,
1: wasn't it? Yes, because they were, my understanding, if my memory serves, that was the beginning of season five, they were still filming the movie, so they didn't have Mm. access to, I don't think they had access to Gillian Anderson at all, and I think they had, like, one second of, like, Mulder, so that episode was essentially just the Lone Gunman and Munch. That was it. Yes!
2: Wow. I think so, I remember wow. that, too.
1: Yeah, and they did that later. They did that later. There was a sequel to the episode called Three of a Kind where the lone gunmen were in Vegas. And I I don't think David Duchovny was even in the episode. And Gillian Anderson was, like, in one scene. So, like, they did give, like, the uh, the lone gunmen, like, their own episodes at some point uh, just to, like, test it. And I guess they ended up being like, hey, they can make a series out of this. They were wrong. Speaking of tying it all back in, has anyone seen the TV show, The Lone Gunman? And does anyone remember what happens nope. in the pilot?
0: Oh, no. I None actually
2: really liked that series more than I like The X-Files because I was also younger and X-Files was scarier to me. Yeah. And I thought The Lone Gunmen were fun. So I definitely know I saw the pilot, but I, I have no memory of it whatsoever.
1: Okay. So oh, the pilot, I believe, if memory serves, uh, it, it premiered sometime in early two thousand one, and the plot is they must stop uh, internal terrorists of the government from flying planes into the World Trade Center. Oh. Yeah. How's that for a lone gunman conspiracy theory for you
0: right
1: there? Oh wow. Uh, yeah, so and actually the lone gunmen are on one of the planes and they find a way to steer it away. You see the plane heading towards the World Trade Center and they steer it wow. away from the World oh Trade my god. Center. god. So there you go. We're Ooh. tying it all back into the domestic terrorism thing. Wow. Oh my
2: goodness. That's see crazy. you're right. There's yeah, room for a show to, need, right there. You
1: need, you need to watch that episode because it's like you're like talk about being ahead of its time it was mm-hmm. like holy crap and then uh it got that show got canceled and it's uh it's it's the weird thing about the x-files more nerd knowledge for you is that both shows that chris carter created after the x-files got canceled before the x-files did so you actually can watch the series finale of Millennium and the Lone Gunman during the X Files because they both got episodes dedicated to ending those shows on the X Files. So if you ne- if you were unsatisfied with the ending of the Lone Gunman television series, then you can just watch the episode Jump the Shark where they actually conclude the arc of all the characters. Uh, and spoiler alert: uh, kill all, kill all the Lone Gunmen. Uh, so- no. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they kill all of them. So there you go. Oh,
2: that's a, what happens to, uh, what was the other one? What happens to uh, Millennium?
1: (laughs) Millennium is the worst, like that's the worst because that show was very intricate and detailed and had like a lot of profiling, less less supernatural stuff in it. But they got Lance Hendrickson back for the finale. And the only thing people remember about the episode is like the Millennium is about to happen and three zombies come out of the ground. Lance Hendrickson kills them. And then Mulder and Scully kiss at New Year's Eve when the millennium happens, and that's
0: it. Oh, man.
1: Very underwhelming. Um, Just like Nighthawks,
2: tying it all
0: back Uh, in. Hey, Who
2: knew? The six degrees of Nighthawks. Look at you (laughs) (laughs) close it
0: like that. Fire away. Indeed.
1: So, uh, Lauren, uh, Lauren, please uh, give us uh, not only where we can reach you on a social media front and a podcast front, and a cool front but like tell us about like your life man like what's up like tell us what's your vibe like no what's your professional thing like tell us about your professional life okay
2: sure uh i'll make it brief uh for seven years i was a film programmer and live events manager um for a few movie theater chains uh out here in the metro phoenix area um i I'm currently uh not doing that at the moment, and I instead launched my own um events consulting business, whether it's celebrity appearances or theatrical screenings or just looking at a space and you want to throw a party, but like you have no idea where to start or or what to do. Uh, I am your girl for that, so you can follow me on Instagram at l a night consulting. And then uh, just for, for funsies, you can follow me uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at ThatMovieIsFine. Um, I also have a podcast of my own uh, with my partner, Aaron Hudson. And you can find us uh, on Facebook and Instagram at that Movie is Fine, uh, podcast, and on Twitter at TMIFPod
1: nice and listeners if you like aaron on that podcast we will have our live show that aaron and i did of police story probably hitting sometime in november so you'll actually get to hear uh aaron uh live on our show too and we've had lauren on like 900 times so um this is only the
2: third third time if you if you this third
1: time It, 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 Don, in one hand, I have the amount of guest appearances Lawrence made on our podcast, <laughs> five or six. And in my other hand, I have nothing because I was, I, we have not been invited on her podcast yet. So I, I'm just curious. I'm just looking at the way this weighs down here. I'm looking at nothing, and I'm looking at like six or seven. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter.
2: So We want to have you on. We will have you on, I promise. We want to have you on for sure. I'm Aaron just- and I have already oh discussed it. You can ask him.
1: well I mean you guys are so big now I try to talk to you guys try to text you and it's like I get your assistant your assistants like sorry Lauren is not taking any calls right now and who is this and Aaron's just like I don't know will who's will like uh, (laughs) you guys are just too big for us now I get it so um
2: funny funny uh sidebar about assistance. So you guys you guys know Tommy Wiseau from the room, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh years ago, like when I literally like first started working for Alamo Drafthouse, House, so it would have been, you know, 6 years ago or so. Uh I had to book the room and before uh like Tommy was the only one who owned it and then he sold the rights away for a few years theatrically to some uh, studio or whatever and then the rights reverted back to him and now he and greg co-own the film so i only have to go through greg uh sestero now to to get the film but anyway i had to go through tommy to get the film the first time and tommy pretended to be his own assistant tommy doesn't have an assistant like Greg's like, I don't know why he does that. He doesn't even have an assistant. But, like, he pretended (laughs) to be his own assistant. And I forget the assistant's name. But he was typing. Like, his emails were all in Tommy speak. So he's pretending to be some assistant of his. But he's constantly using, like, broken English or speaking the way Tommy would speak in an email. And I was like, mm, I caught on pretty quickly. <laughs> but anyway, I should uh, be my own assistant.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and you should, you know what? That would be really cool. You should book Steve Gutenberg. We'll put a umlaut See? over Here the U.
2: Over the U.
1: <laughs> then we'll have all the lone gunmen on and uh, we'll <laughs> ask for Ruth Mum. So, anyways,
0: best, <laughs> best closing no. ever.
1: Yeah, I wanted to call back all of the jokes from this episode into one <laughs> big moment
2: because they were so um, good the first time. So let's bring them how, back.
1: How dare you! That was that was that was deep cut. That was a, that was that hurt. That hurt.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: I forgot to mention in Nighthawks, Persis is in this movie and she's hot. So she is a good
0: looking lady. And with and hair looks, this time. Normally it's a Star Trek motion picture situation for me.
1: Yeah, usually she's a Delton. Star Trek. That's a that's a that's an alien race, Lauren. And that race is <laughs> that race. Does he just specializes, some Star Trek? No, no, no that <laughs> he did, that he did. That alien Shit. race specializes in something that I don't experience: sexual dominance. So <laughs> oh boy. enjoy that fact. This is this has been hashtag. your fact of the day. hashtag Ooh, Will okay. Sex dominance. I don't know. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Anyway, <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Also, find us both on Letterboxd. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL Media Podcast. It is brought to you by Radio Network.com and it is edited, hopefully with all those terrible things I just said, edited out by Mitch Proctor. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, with Banana Meter. We are members of the new, or whatever, not new. It's it's here. Independent Film Critics of America group. If you enjoyed this show, Ruminations Radio Network has more where that came from with wonderful programs and interesting hosts. Our show and others are available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.